What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 130 of the Game Explained Real Talk podcast. As always, I'm your host, Derek Bittner, and this week I'm joined by John Cartwright and Tom Arnold. No Andre this week, and unfortunately, Ash is still kind of busy with his uh, whole thing, so he's not able to join. We plan to have Andre here instead of me, but he can't find his laptop charger, so I have to take a break from Kingdom Hearts 3 in order to host a podcast. So... <laughs> <sighs> It just goes to show how much little, I, I love you guys. A little hint of um, just a little bit of anger there, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's one of those things. Is I, I'm working on such a like tight schedule. It is. I mean, I have to beat a like. I have no idea how long Kingdom Hearts three is. I'm expecting sixty hours, so I have uh, to beat a sixty hour game in four days, three and a half. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I still have to use Monday to actually put the review together because. Um, not a lot of reviews went out on Thursday, which I b- believe was the actual embargo time. So I think only, like, when you looked at Metacritic, it only had 10 reviews, right, John? Right, yeah. Only 10 outlets got Kingdom Hearts 3. <laughs> and even some big outlets didn't get it. Uh, it they, they were very, very secure with who they gave it to. And they actually kind of said like, why they did this. Um, basically, they wanted to crunch down on leaks. Um, and the, the producer actually said that um, they're considering not doing worldwide release dates in the future because a lot of leaks came from Western sources. Um, so in the future, they might go back like back in time and release it in Japan first and then, then do the localization later just because of these leaks. Yeah, that's not going to solve their problem because people can speak Japanese, people can translate on their own, and those leaks uh-huh. will be even more prevalent. So yeah, that's not I, a I don't really solution. know what they're trying to say with that. Yeah, that's a that's a really stupid idea. But uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things. I just uh, it's it's I'm basically in Andre's Super Mario Odyssey situation, <laughs> where it's like you have a very limited amount of time in order to play uh, through an entire game. That being said, I am having an amazing time with this game. Like I I I think it came through pretty pretty clear with my stream. Um, this was just a really good. What is that? Sorry, it's a fire truck. Oh, <laughs> uh, apparently my building is on fire, but Special I'll uh, guest. I'll power through it. <laughs> You're building on fire. All right, sure. I am. Not, I'm not cutting that out. By the way, Tom's sweating no. right now. There's flames all around him. Just like, yeah, I'll I like just power that. Through. Everything's okay. You sure? Okay, just making sure. Um, all right, fire the fire, uh, fire trucks are after Tom. He's too hot right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. But, yeah, it's... If anybody has seen my uh, stream of Kingdom Hearts 3 on, um, on thir- Thursday when it first came in, those were genuine reactions. I was just immediately drawn into this game and I'm like it was amazing start and it it definitely comes down a little bit after that uh like really uh big start but it it never quite dropped off hello fire trucks again man you are really popular right now (laughs) did you just burn down your entire block I I guess (laughs) (laughs) oh god only you can prevent forest fires (laughs) (laughs) oh god somebody was having their uh uh, what is that called? The party where you announce the, the gender of your baby. That's how they set California on fire. Now you're doing it to Canada. <laughs> so, oh, God. Anyway, yeah. I'm having fun with the game. <laughs> Excellent. So are you? have you come back down to Earth, or have you been 
pushed further into the stratosphere from the initial leap off your chair when the game was announced. <laughs> I had come down after that just because I realized, you know, seeing everything slowly come out, not getting release date, just like, okay, putting this on the back burner, not going to have my excitement in there, just going to just like take it as it comes so I don't get too hyped or be on edge, like when's it going to come out, when's it going to come out, I just sort of took my time. And um, finally, you know, now that it's actually out and was getting close to being out and me having it in my hands, yeah, the excitement level is just right back up there. Because I'm this, I will say right now, I'm not going to give any spoilers whatsoever, but this does feel like the finale to this story. Like everything, it feels like every thread is being addressed. And so. I, it's interesting to see how uh, they're trying to accommodate newcomers because uh, they are trying, <laughs> but yeah. uh, I don't know how effective it'll be. Um, I, I well, I'll say that for the review. But what I've played so far, I've really enjoyed. It. And my god, this game is gorgeous. Some of the scenes they've matched up to the originals are amazing. Uh, specifically, Tangled. Tangled. Uh, Tangled is so close to the original. Uh, and how some of the scenes are structured, and it's, it's, some of them are just visually breathtaking. Mm-hmm. It's, it's nuts that Kingdom Hearts 3 is actually out now, and when you reflect on this generation that we're having at the moment, the current gen, it's, it's mad how many games have actually released. Like, <laughs> Shenmue 3's coming out this year, Kingdom Hearts 3 came out this year, The Last Guardian came out, Final Fantasy Vs. XIII came out, um, it's, it's just crazy. It's like all these games I, I never thought would actually happen have happened. And it still doesn't feel like Kingdom Hearts 3 is real. It, it, it still feels like this game yeah. is like years away, but you're playing it. Uh, yeah. It's nuts. Mm. These are all mythical creatures that are actually coming to life. Like, <laughs> kind of exist in fantasy for the most part. It's just. But when, they, then when they're actually real, it's like, what? Well, what do I look forward to now? Yeah, what yeah, what's now next? do we do? <laughs> do we play these games? Oh. What yeah. are we to do? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not used to How playing for these games. speculate on them? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, it's going to be interesting seeing how it all unfolds and reflecting on the entire series and uh, seeing just how well the story was told. But I, I will say that this, you know, this game, as a longtime fan, has brought me to tears twice. <laughs> oh, damn. Um, wow. I, I, not like full-on crying, but just like, you know, welling up and then having a te- few tears come out. Uh, just because, I, like Ash, like you connect to these characters after playing with them, playing them for so long and seeing the story and seeing how it goes about. And Kingdom Hearts was always really effective of getting something like that at the end of the game. It's the first time they've been able to do that to me at the beginning. Uh, it might just be because it has been such a long wait. I don't think I even realized that the Fragmentary Passage thing came out in, I think, 2016? So it was two years since that game. Uh, it was always just sort of this nebulous thing, but to actually have it and to experience um, some of these scenes and uh, just get the emotion behind them, it's really uh, it's really good. And uh, what I can say is that the pacing for this game is so much better than any past Kingdom Hearts game. Yeah. Like they, um, how does it feel? How well do they merge the Disney worlds with the ongoing Kingdom Hearts story? Because obviously Tangled is a new entry to Kingdom Hearts, and they're sort of recapturing elements from that movie. Uh, how well do they mesh that with just the the, the crazy story of Kingdom Hearts? Uh, pretty well. Like basically, it's uh, the way the best way to view it is that each side is getting their pieces arranged for the final battle. 
So, mm-hmm. but they're both preparing for this clash, and there's sort of these mini skirmishes happening as uh, Sora searches for a way to access this power that he failed to get, uh, which is which is not a spoiler because that was set up at the end of uh, Dream Drop Distance. Um, but yeah, basically, it's, it's the best way to put it is that they're just preparing for this final battle, and uh, the, the the Disney worlds that you encounter are not necessarily connected, but that's also never been the case. But they've done a good job of taking the overall story and weaving it into the plot that you kind of see why the villains are there each time. And it's 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 cool to see a little pieces get revealed as you go along. And uh, this is the first time that the story has felt like consistent the entire time through where you're constantly getting new information with each new world. Because for, for a lot of the Kingdom Hearts games, it's here's our overall story set up. Great. Now go off to these Disney worlds, maybe get a little sliver about things going on, and next world, next world, next world, nothing really going on. Okay, finally we're getting to the end. Now we're going to start feeding you, uh, you know, plot stuff. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So there's always mm-hmm. that lull in the middle that I that I felt as far as story as, as stories go, and thankfully I'm not getting that here. Nice. Mm-hmm. I I'm I'm kind of tempted because I I've uh, your your hype is contagious. <laughs> it makes me want to play the game, but I know I shouldn't because the only Kingdom Hearts games I played uh, I played a bit of the first one, and for some reason I played all of Dream Drop Distance, <laughs> which that um, is amazing. Two, two very random games um, for the series. And yeah, I didn't know what was going on in Dream Drop Distance at all. But it, it was fun, though. Mm. And I, I kind of feel like maybe I could still have fun with Kingdom Hearts 3, but I wouldn't get the payoff that you're getting, though. Mm-hmm. I think that's the big thing, is that you can absolutely enjoy the gameplay of Kingdom Hearts 3. This is really accessible gameplay. Tons of options as far as combat's concerned. There's always new options uh, to change up how you play, and you can customize how you want to do it and just have all these... Um, different ideas and there's I have a few complaints about the battle system one in particular but I won't get into that now but overall like the sheer variety has been incredibly impressive and I I I really enjoyed what I've played so far I'm trying to layer how much I'm saying because I don't want to get into review territory (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's like so you're saying you liked it (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) so you say you hate it blow your mind in any way (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, I don't know. I, that's the thing. Like, I, like you, I, I take the mind-blowing rating very seriously. And to be honest, I would not give any previous Kingdom Hearts game a mind-blowing. Um, as mm-hmm. much as a, of a fan I am of the series, none of the games previously would be, would earn a mind-blowing for me. Definitely loves, yeah, but not mind-blowing. Yeah, we, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, and um, I honestly don't know what game I'd give a mind-blowing. There's there's tons of amazing games out there, uh, but I think almost all of them have some kind of flaw. Like there's, it's hard to find a flawless game, and maybe you don't need to be flawless to be mind-blowing, but um, I just I just don't know what game I'd give that ranking. Mm-hmm. And I was the same way. Like I have, I'm, I'm, I have still am the same way. Like, what does a game have to do to be truly mind-blowing for me? And just the top of its field, uh, in my opinion. And, uh, like, even, like, Andre gave Super Mario Odyssey a mind-blowing. I wouldn't. I'd give it a love. Uh, Andre, I mean, uh, Ash gave Okami a mind-blowing. Again, I'd only give that a love. But that's the beauty of our system. It just depends on that individual reviewer. And you sort of have to take what they feel and apply it to yourself. 
but I do think like if you re- reviewed Resident Evil 4 when it came out, I'm pretty sure you'd give that game a mind-blowing <laughs> Yeah, I probably would. <laughs> yeah, that was good all the way through. Uh, something like Metroid Prime, though, maybe it kind of would lag on a bit at the end with all the space pirate encounters and maybe a bit frustrating at changing the different weapon types in some boss battles. But uh-huh. yeah, I came close to giving it a Shovel Knight a mind-blowing. <laughs> and Arthur's like... Are you sure? <laughs> it's like, well, maybe not. <laughs> That's not a bad pick, though. I mean, Shovel Knight is—it's—it's yeah. it's definitely is worthy of it. I'm not sure if I'd give it mind blowing, but yeah. it, I wouldn't turn my nose up at it, though. Well, I was really impressed by it at the time, but yeah, mind blowing is—I think—is more for revolutionary type games, like something like Ocarina of Time. Uh, I would give that mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I still would actually. Um, yeah. I, I don't think Ocarina of Time is just a um, something that you look at in the context of its time. I think it's still a really well designed game. Yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that that was sort of a debate with ourselves as well. Is like Okami HD is a port. Is this port still mind blowing, or is it you should should you judge it a just judge it as a port from today's perspective, or like how do you? quantify that and ash ultimately came down like yes no matter what this game is still mind-blowing for me mm-hmm. and it was a good port too like they had good hd rumble uh it looked looked very good it was portable for the first time it, it still has merits as as an enhanced version mm-hmm. absolutely uh here's a big question i know resident evil 4 you give a mind-blowing too what about tropical freeze <laughs> Ooh, that, i think there's there's a flaw in tropical freeze um we can avoid this floor though, because it's not a mandatory floor, but there are bonus rooms in Tropical Freeze, and they're not great. Um, so they're, they're, they're not bad, but every level has a couple of bonus rooms where you just sort of swing from vine to vine and collect bananas, and they get very repetitive and feel very samey. Um, the reason they don't bother me is you can just never touch them, and that's fine. Because even the rewards you get for them aren't mandatory, like you don't, they don't um, go towards extra levels. Um, so I think if they, if they had better bonus rooms, that game might be a mind-blowing. But just with them there, they kind of hold it back just a tiny bit, but not enough to really ruin anything, though. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's tough. It's it's one of those things I'm about to sit down because here here's the thing: I'm not going, I'm not going to even consider the mind blowing score at all until I'm done with the game. Like I want to have all of it under my uh, belt, uh, yeah. see everything that it had to offer, and step back and just say. How did this, you know? How did this make me feel? How did this? How did I connect with this game? How did it make me? Like, what emotions did it evoke? And, I mean, we'll see. I mean, this has a good. This has a good chance. I, yeah, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll be completely honest. There, it has a very good chance because I think I blew people away just with the stream. They were watching it. and They're just like, "Holy crap! This is the first two hours. This is insanity." <laughs> it's like some of the stuff you're pulling off in that game. Mm-hmm. And just so many great quality of life improvements to this, uh, or even just presentational stuff. The fact that we, for the first time, really have NPCs in this game. <laughs> like, oh. I know that the, for any other series, that doesn't seem like a major thing, but to have so many people wandering around, hearing bits of conversation as you're going through uh, certain worlds and areas, it makes it feel so much more alive. And I think that's the thing, mm-hmm. thing, thing about this, is that the presentation this time around not just looks brilliant, but it makes everything feel so much more alive than any previous Kingdom Hearts game. 
Mm -hmm. It does look really good. I, I didn't want to watch your stream too much, because if I ever were to go into the game, I'd like to go in quite fresh. But um, all the animations were just fantastic. Like, there's, there's obviously a clear rendering difference between this and actual Disney movies, but um, the expression in their eyes and their faces is just so good. Um, it, it, it looks like what CG movies looked like in their earlier days. It feels like they've actually come to that point where uh, real-time graphics can be matched to rendered graphics. Mm. It's, it's mad. Oh yeah, and it, it is it is mad because they'll do a cutscene and then a lot of times transition in the battle or transition into all right, let's move on, and it'll flawlessly go from the cutscene to the actual uh, gameplay, mm -hmm. and or you know it's probably all rendered in game, so it's just boom, and it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so. well, I can't wait to see your review because I know we. <laughs> you got a couple more days. Um, hopefully you can play as much as you can, but if everything Derek's been saying both in this podcast and outside the podcast uh, makes this sound like a really, really special game. Mm. Yep. And if there's anyone who can review it in that time frame, it's you, Derek, so good luck. <laughs> yep. you can yeah, do <laughs> I'm, I'm about 21 hours in last I left off, and trust me when I say this game is filled to the brim with content. <laughs> there's yeah. so mm -hmm. much to do. And if, and if you miss the deadline by one hour, you can just, like, look up and be like, Andre, because of the podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All his fault, just because he couldn't find his power plug for his laptop, because Andre has, apparently his computer is currently dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's kind of out of action at the moment. Um, he has a laptop as well, but yeah, he's lost his power cord, so he, <laughs> he just can't use Andre for now. <laughs> <laughs> can't do anything. So, yeah, if you're wondering where Andre's been... That's why <laughs> he can't really do much. He's thinking he's still waiting for his new computer to come in. So mm -hmm. and it's funny because, you know, I'm currently uh, working on Kingdom Hearts, so it's up to all, everybody else to take care of the rest. And so it's been kind of a crazy time because, yeah, uh, crazy news today, right? <laughs> yeah, mad stuff happening today. Yeah. So, John, you and I already talked about this quite a bit uh, this morning, but Tom, how do you feel about the whole Metroid Prime 4 getting basically delayed and moved, delayed and effectively moved to a different team and starting from scratch? Well, I was surprised at the starting from scratch part, but overall I'm happy because I, like, I know... Bandai and Namco make Smash Brothers, but I, I couldn't see them creating a first-person shooter, especially in, like, uh, Metroid Prime 4. Even though we know it might not have been them, but I, I just couldn't see it happening. I could imagine something like Metroid Prime Hunters way back in the DS, but... Hmm. Yeah, so I, I think we'll get the game that we want this way, and as we've talked about before, there's tons of games out there. That I can play in the meantime and just <laughs> wait for a good Metroid Prime 4. Mm -hmm. But uh, hopefully Retro has finished what else they're working on, because that would be too bad if whatever it was has just been cancelled and shut down <laughs> and put into a vault somewhere and never to be found again. <laughs> yeah. We've actually had um, a few more details come out from Game Informer's Imran um, since Derek and I discussed this. Um, and basically, uh, what what he equated it to was um, Bandai Namco apparently had different. Um, ha ha there's, there's, there are a bunch of different countries. There's Bandai Namco Sing Sing um, Singapore, and there's all these other outlets of Bandai Namco. 
and they'll basically all work on different parts of the game each. And he kind of compared it to how Ubisoft make their games, where they outsource it to different companies within Ubisoft. Yeah. And um, it was apparently going well in some of these Bad Namco outlets, but other ones were just a disaster. Um, and it sounds so passionless to have to do it this way. Mm-hmm. It's like you're it's, you're manufacturing this game. It doesn't sound like a passion project. Um, and it must hurt if you're one of those Bandai Namco outlets that's doing a good job, but then there's just some other one that's holding everyone back. Yeah. Um, but when you when you're so split, like if you're not you're not even in the same country, there's there, mu- there mustn't be any synergy going on. I can't imagine how this would have pulled together to be a good game, and maybe that's why they pulled the plug. It seems yeah, like I the wonder. most likely reason. Yeah, yeah. I, want, I was going to say, I wonder if they were working on different worlds or different aspects of the game, like characters and enemies um, in that sort of aspect. It's like if it was different worlds, maybe you open up the uh, door to Magmore Caverns or whatever, and it's like, oh, what's with this world? You just close it and move on. But. <laughs> <laughs> I, I that that sounds so disjointed. Like, imagine just going around a world and just feeling a difference in quality everywhere. It's like this this place was clean, made by a different team. This was made by a yeah. different team. <laughs> it, it just feels so glued together. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's different if it's different level designers. Um, back when they could have one level designer, let's say in the original Doom, each world is made by a different level designer, so they have a different feel. But they're all in the same office, so obviously, you know, they can talk to each other pretty easily. I think. Uh, teams in different countries that gets exponentially harder especially with game development nowadays and how many people it takes mm-hmm. yeah uh, Imran also said something about uh, Prime Trilogy according to him it's complete uh, and it's just sitting there I mean which is interesting because um, who knows when they'll release it if it's complete because they I guess if if Prime 4 is years away at this point are we expecting Prime Trilogy soon? I I have no idea on that one. I it makes complete sense that the Prime trilogy is coming to the Switch. Like there was no way that wasn't going to happen. Let's be honest. It was like yeah. as well as everything else is selling. Of course, they're going to want to have Met- the Metroid Prime trilogy on the system. As for when they'll launch it, I think they're probably going to give it a little bit more time. Maybe they wanted to get this announcement out a way to prep people and like, hey, here you go, because. As we said before, we know that they're already they're likely working on another Met- 2D Metroid title with Mercury Steam. Or I guess it could be 3D as well, just a different vibe to it, since Mer- Mercury Steam is perfectly capable of making 3D games as well. Mm-hmm. So we could see that game first. We could. Um, and Nintendo do sit on games quite often. Like uh, Twilight Princess HD is a recent example. Um, that game was done, I think, like six months before launch, and they just hang on, they just hold on to it. I think the reason they did was because it was a buffer title between um, Twilight Princess and Breath of the Wild. So I think a lot of the time they just complete games and just wait for the perfect time to release them. And um, I think I also heard that New Super Mario Bros. U was finished for a while before. In fact, I think it was even finished before it was announced, which is oh, wow. <laughs> kind, of, kind of mad. <laughs> um, but then again, you know, that, that is a port, so maybe it's less drastic than a brand new game. But uh, this isn't unprecedented. And even like um, the original Mother. That was fully localized, and they sat on that game for like 20 years, or 30 years, <laughs> however long it was. Um, so I wouldn't put it past Nintendo to just hold on to this finished Prime Trilogy for like another year or two. Yeah. Um, sorry, go uh, ahead, Tom. I was going to say Star Fox 2, that was another instance of one they sat on, and anyway, I'm okay with this as long as they haven't put 
Metroid, the Metroid Prime trilogy right beside Mother 3. So, yeah. <laughs> Let's hope not. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, we'll see how this all ends up, but it's, it's definitely an interesting situation. And uh, mm-hmm. definitely appreciate the how apparent, you know, they're, they're very transparent for this. And I think that's softened the blow for everybody. I don't think I've seen a single person complain. I know they're out there, but I'm not seeing hardly anybody complain about this because it's just like, yeah, okay, thank you for telling us. We know what to expect now. And it helps that, you know, Retro is back. Yeah. yeah. If you look at the, the like bar on their video, um, the ratio to likes to dislikes is surprising. Like, there's hardly any dislikes. <laughs> I was expecting there to be like a half and half, but no, um... There's something like 62,000 likes and 1,000 dislikes. Uh, so people understand it. Mm-hmm. And that's good to see. Uh, you know what, didn't, know what a lot of people didn't see, though? The indie highlights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We were, we were going to discuss this, but there just wasn't much to discuss. Um, there, there were some good games, like Wargroove got its release date. Um, when Skeelis Go Wrong looks interesting. In fact, you played that for a game watch, Derek. Yeah, it was... It was fun. It's a nice little builder game. It had uh, a lot more variety than I was expecting. But yeah, it's a nice little game. Yeah. Uh, Unruly Heroes look cool. Um, Steamboat Quest is a big one as well. But I think it was a nice selection. There were some nice looking games. But just the presentation as a whole didn't do much for me. Like It didn't feel like there were that many big hitters in there. Um, And I just wasn't that impressed, to be honest, with this lineup. Mm Mm-hmm. How'd you feel, Tom? Because I know you're always into indies. Well, I felt the Shovel Knight helmet, yeah, along with the logo in the teaser. That's a bit. Uh, it's a bit much there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like this one, I'd have to actually try the games because seeing them it wasn't that exciting. So, like, maybe they're actually fun to play. But like War Group, we know that's interesting, but it's going to be out pretty soon. Goat Simulator has been out for years. <laughs> uh, like from a name perspective, Double Kick Heroes is the most interesting for me. So I'm going to check that <laughs> one later. <laughs> what did you think of Forager? Because that one was maybe the weakest for me. Oh man, I I, I think I probably so, glanced over it and didn't pay attention. <laughs> I think that, that was the thing. one that basically tried to be everything. So it looked like Zelda, but there was mining elements, there was farming elements. Um, Your generic it just white like guy is like not even white guy, just white blob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah. Sure, I'm sure it's fun, um, but just, just the way it presented itself wasn't that appealing to me. No, it looks like... Um, it looks slightly too simple here in screenshots, but... Mm-hmm. It looks like every like popular indie trope, like stuffed into one. If it if it has Metroidvania elements, it gets bingo. <laughs> uh huh. But uh, I've heard a lot of good. Apparently, there's a lot of good word of mouth about Crosscode because uh, that was a that was on uh, PC first, and right. Apparently, it, it did um, uh, really well. People really like it, so it seems like a good fit for the Switch, and hopefully. It, get some uh, get some attention because of that but i mean it looked pretty chaotic and wild from the tr- from the trailer but i also didn't get too much of a sense of it mhm yeah yeah it's a thing <laughs> <laughs> um now you guys might have to tell me more about this one cuz i was playing kingdom hearts when this news came out so i'm seeing it here and i'm like what <laughs> yeah so apparently 
Detective Pikachu uh, 2 is already in the works and it's being written by the same uh, same guy behind 22 Jump Street. Now, I haven't seen that movie, but I have heard it's extremely hilarious. Yeah, so this this is ju- kind of just a rumor at the moment, but it's being reported by the Hollywood Reporter, so, you know, it's it's pretty likely. Um, so, according to them, uh, Oren uh, Uziel, I believe it's pronounced, is uh, writing Detective Pikachu 2, and he did 22 Jump Street, uh, but he also did some other movies. He did The Cloverfield Paradox, which mm. is... That was a big letdown to me. Um, so I, I'm not entirely sure if if 22 Jump Street is like just his exception of, a, of just one great movie in his portfolio. Because um, the rest of his movies don't seem all that great to me. Well, I'm looking um, at this article right now, and it mentions that he also penned the script for Sonic the Hedgehog, so... Well, we'll see how that. That's out. interesting. <laughs> but on yeah. the other hand, we also we have Men in Black International, which I really enjoyed the trailer for that. So he seems like a very up and down writer. Yeah, I suppose it just depends on the project. And you know, Detective Pikachu is a nice, flexible franchise. There's humor. There's 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 mystery in there. So I'm sure he probably could do a good job. And it, it, even it is even some clashing with Twenty Two Jump Street in some ways because that was also kind of like a adventure comedy movie, like Detective Pikachu. So yeah, may, maybe he is good for this role. Yeah, maybe Detective Pikachu has to go undercover and pretend to be a, a human student. <laughs> maybe <laughs> I, I'd watch that movie. To be honest, so. yeah, I would. <laughs> I would. Yeah. One take I had from this, Derek, though, is um, in, in the Detective Pikachu game, it kind of ends on a cliffhanger. And I was thinking in the movie, they'd probably um, not do that. I thought they'd wrap things up. But seeing as a sequel's being planned, they're probably going to like follow the plot pretty closely. They might. I mean, there, there's a lot of things in that trailer that just aren't in the game. I think they might have mm. taken the structure of the game, the basic plot, but everything else surrounding it is very different it seems it depends on their explanation of his father i think that's going to be the key detail in, in the presence of a certain pokemon if that pokemon's in there then they're going to follow at least that element but as far as everything else i'm kind of in the dark here as far as what what uh, way they'll go mm-hmm. but um i don't know i mean it's at the very least it's a huge sign of confidence in detective pikachu but considering the wonderful word of mouth it's gotten up to this point and the sheer curiosity of people going to check it out, yeah, it's going to make a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I, I did feel like it was too early to see reports of a sequel, but I am not surprised to see reports of a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, it's only in sort of the writing phase at that point, uh, so it would be pretty easy to cancel it if the movie does bomb in, when it comes out. So True. Uh-huh. Yeah, that is very true. Which I think there's 0% um, percent chance. Yeah, 0%. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's going to do pretty well. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure all of us are going to see it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. Well, uh, speaking of high sales, uh, the Switch is currently just killing it right now. So the incredible thing is, is more NPD sales uh, data has come out. And basically, it had better sales in its first 21 months than both the PS4 and Xbox One in their initial 21 months. They matched them up, and Switch is just selling that much better than uh, PS4 and Xbox One. I think it's like about 25% over PS4 and 35% over 
Xbox One, roughly around there. Um, I thought I was gonna say I thought you were gonna say it's like it outsold both PS4 and Xbox One combined, which is like saying it outsold PS4. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. Oh god. <laughs> both uh, from Tom. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> um, it's also uh, the the highest December sales since the Wii in 2009. And it's also the best-selling console of the year. So, yeah, Switch is doing pretty dang well. Yeah. Um, I guess when you think back to PlayStation 4's first year, or even its first two years, um, the, the, the game library wasn't the best. Like mm-hmm. It launched with Killzone and Knack, and then we got Infamous a bit later, and it was just kind of... It was just fine for a while. It wasn't until year three that the PS4 really picked up, and I, I guess we're kind of seeing that with the Switch now. Like Switch had a great year one, but um, it's been good since then, and maybe it's just kind of mirroring how PlayStation 4 did. But the fact it's doing better than it, um, that really puts things in perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't think PS4 had a Super Smash Brothers Ultimate in its second year. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I think it um, was Drive Club year one or year two, because I think that, that was kind of a big deal when it came out, and then no one really talked about it after that. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, wait, wait, Drive Club, Drive Club, and they're like, oh yeah, that. <laughs> That's how memorable it was for me. Yeah, I didn't get a PS4 right away. It was, I forget what game set me off, but I think I, I think by the time Infamous Second Son came out, I was like, okay, I like the Infamous games. So I'll check this out. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I just remember playing, waiting two hours in line at Tokyo Game Show to play PlayStation Four, and I think it was Dragon's Dogma, and it was like a spear poking simulator, and I think that turned me off PS4. but yeah i think more people were happy with playstation well let's say more well people had playstation 3 so there's they're pretty happy that those first couple years i'm guessing so less likely to jump to ps4 well a lot of people probably skipped wii u and were hungrier as a nintendo fan for switch that is a good especially with the big Mm -hmm. releases that is a very good good point. point yeah hmm yeah, well, speaking of uh, Smash Ultimate, it did have the best debut in video game history, actually beating out both Halo 3 and Halo Reach uh, as the top-selling game, exclusive game um, ever, like its first three-day sales or however, yeah, opening weekend sales, uh, and actually uh, outsold Brawl, uh, which was the previous high watermark for the Smash series, by 70%. So, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, madness. Uh, Halo 3 felt like an event to me. Like, that felt like everyone was kind of cheering for that game when, when it came out. There was advertisements everywhere, in cinemas, on billboards, or uh, even in the news. Like People were reporting on Halo 3. And um, I've, I've never really felt a game have that, that kind of mainstream hype since then. Um, and to think that Smash Ultimate beat it, like, that really puts things in perspective. Because mm-hmm. it didn't feel like a Halo 3 and Halo Reach, like these were... These felt like huge games, and the same for Smash Ultimate. Maybe we're too, too close at this point, but it didn't... I don't know if I had the idea that it was as big as that, you know? Or even bigger at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but these are just um, on a games that are on a single console, though, right? True. They're not yeah, like Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, exactly. It's exclusive. It, it de- definitely didn't reach the heights of, like, as you said, Grand Theft Auto or Red Dead Redemption 2. Like... Is Smash did very well to get to the number five slot of best-selling games of the of 2018 in basically half a month. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. it still didn't help pace like Red Dead Redemption Two, for example. I think that was still right. a high release, and Spider Man and God of War. And I think there was a lot of 
really big ones. Of course, both of those were exclusive, so it actually did beat up, beat out God of War and uh, Spider Man. <laughs> what's um, what's also worth noting is um, when Halo Three came out, uh, you couldn't buy retail Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty games from the store because they had like a one hundred megabyte limit on games back then. Um, so these these Smash Ultimate sales do not include digital. And Halo 3 can't include digital because they didn't exist then. Mm-hmm. So um, Smash's sales are actually even higher than they appear. <laughs> Which, again, like that's nuts. Yeah, that's insane. That's Nintendo just making bank. <laughs> it's like, what is the attach rate of this game? Like, 1.2 to 1? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll be, I'll be curious to see the attach rate because I, I guarantee it's, it's definitely comparable to Odyssey and Breath of the Wild. It's just going to be the third pillar of games... That everybody owns on the Switch, or nearly everybody owns on the Switch. Yeah, no doubt. You pick up a Switch, you get Breath of the Wild, Super Mario Odyssey, and Super, uh, and Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. That's a heck of a lineup. <laughs> oh, <is>. yeah. <laughs> hmm. All right, well, let's go ahead and move on to our uh, questions for this week, or uh, topics, I guess. Uh, as always, for just $1 a month, you guys can support us on Patreon. Uh, get these podcasts three days early every Friday, as well as offer up uh, questions like the ones we have here. So... Uh, John, Tom, who wants to go first? Um, I, I guess I'll go first. So, my question comes from Jeff Edelstein, who says, Hey GX crew, John's comments got me thinking last week. What makes a good indie game to you? I've been playing through my backlog of indie games on the Switch, including Hollow Knight, Wonder Song, The Messenger, uh, is that I- Iconoclasts? Yeah, Iconoclast. Yeah, Iconoclast. Iconoclast, ah. And Owlboy. And while some of them have completely captured my attention for days, others uh, just haven't seemed engaging. For example, I loved Hollow Knight so much that it became my favorite Metroidvania. But Iconoclast's uh, gameplay just never clicked with me. Thanks for all the great Kingdom Hearts 3 coverage, and congrats (laughs) on 1.1 million followers. Yay! Uh, Gonna be 2 million before you know it. Um, oh, this guy just... jinxed it too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to stay at 1.1 million forever now. Yep, yeah. we're stuck. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question, though, because uh, there, there are so many indie games out there. So, how do you find one that captures your attention? Because the Switch eShop gets maybe 20 to 30 games every week at this point. There, there's so much to play. Um, uh, but the, I guess this is what the indie highlights is for. It just showcases the biggest and most unique indie games. Um, and I, I mean, I, I don't have time to play all of them because there's just so many. But sometimes there's, there just comes along one that just changes your perspective on games. Because um, to me, like AAA games, of course, they can be they can be magical as well. But in when you're when you're an indie game and you're just you're you're abiding by limitations of your budget and what you can do as a one person or not or like three person studio, I think that's when your creative side really comes out. Um, so a few games that you noted there, like Hollow Knight, that is a remarkable game, and I don't think a big studio could have made that game. Um, so as as far as what actually captures your attention with one though, I think it's just a mix of doing something unique uh, and looking appealing while doing it too. Because I think a lot of indie games kind of run the risk of um, being oversaturated in their genre. Like the Metroidvania genre is that there are so many indie games in that genre, and um, it's, it's kind of an intimidating genre too. Like it's not it's not the kind of a genre where you want to just keep playing game after game. Um, so I, I think sometimes you just need to be a bit more unique with what you go for. And I realize now Hollow Knight is a Metroidvania, <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> but but that game still manages to be unique in some way. Um, but what do you guys think? How how do you distinguish what indie games are unique to you, and what makes you want to play them? 
I kind of have two criteria. I look at what personally interests me, like, oh, that looks interesting. Oh, that looks interesting. But I don't necessarily pick it up right away unless it, like, truly captures my attention that, like, I need to play this right away uh, in in some way. Like, um, when I first saw Owlboy, uh, that got my attention. Like, ooh, what is this? This looks gorgeous. I need to check it out. Ironically, with Owlboy, I ended up, uh, after playing the full game, I was like, eh, it was all right. I think it's... Uh-huh. <laughs> I, <laughs> it didn't quite catch my attention like I thought it would, but that's it was, I still completed it, so that's you know say what you will there. Um, but also, I, I I pay attention to word of mouth for indie games because when those truly unique and interesting indie games uh, appear, everybody starts talking about them. And when I start seeing a lot of people talking about them, that's when I start uh, picking it up myself. And that's how I got into Celeste. That's how I got into Shovel Knight. That's how I got into Owlboy, uh, Hollow Knight. Like that's I picked up a bunch of these games. So uh, yeah, it, it, I, I definitely put my feelers out for the just that. But because I have somewhat little time, I don't necessarily like seek out indie games. It just whatever rises to the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it, for me, like it kind of it might be it might uh, an indie game might be nostalgic to me because it's based off an old game that maybe isn't out around anymore let's say castle crashers compared to teenage mutant ninja turtles mm-hmm. um but with something like wander's song i love that and that was kind of different than anything because it had you could tell like a lot of love and care went into making that game and mostly by a very small handful of people i guess when you like big triple a teams i'm sure there's a lot of love and care that goes into it but at the same time they're usually just you know they're just working for a business in the end and maybe it kind of gets washed out a bit over that huge amount of people but wander song it had um it was very unique in that you didn't attack enemies ever and when you might have tried that as an option you always ended up weak and like feeble (laughs) and had to do it the uh, singing way anyway to kind of bring joy and happiness into the world. So wonderful message there. Well, something like Iconoclast, so that one, I played that for a bit, but it didn't catch me, it didn't catch my attention as much. So, it, you know, it's mm. hit and miss. Uh, and also, <laughs> it's different single player than multiplayer. So, Yeah. It's an interesting point about um, indie games sort of trying to replace games that came before. Um, there, there was a point where being a 3D platformer was quite big in the indie scene. We had a Hat in Time and Ukulele. Yeah. And a Hat in Time was very well received. I think Ukulele might put some people off, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it feels like Ukulele did a little bit of damage to that idea. And the thing is, it does require a lot more work. It gets a lot harder to put together than, I, I, I assume, than a 2D game. Because when you mm. get into 3D, I think that's when people start expecting a certain level of quality. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, like Ukulele had a nice clean art style, uh, but it, it feels like that game may be focused more on its presentation than uh, certain other aspects. Because <laughs> it is a good-looking game, and it's 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 better. It looks better than I, than I expected from such a small team with um, with a small budget. Because it, yeah, it had it had a big budget for an indie game, but it was still relatively small compared to AAA games. Um, but yeah, you you are right. When when you when you are three D, I guess there is a certain expectation from you. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you try to match the three D aesthetic of uh, like one of the original generations of three D, then you can 
get away with this budget. <laughs> there was one recently released called Dusk, and I, like, I've come so close to buying it a few times, but I'm waiting for a sale, where it it sort of recaptures the magic of the first 3D first-person shooters on PC. Like It looks like the original Quake. Oh, wow. And I was oh. like, I didn't know I wanted to play this type of game again. I that sounds great. <laughs> Do you know what I want? Uh, I want an RPG that looks like Final Fantasy VII. So have like low poly character models in like pre-rendered environments. <laughs> Little stubs for hands, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of really good ones out there, and it's, it's funny you say that because I actually picked up a con class during that whole Nintendo sale, and everybody's talking about. Ah, I lost interest in it. It's like, oh dang it! I might have wasted my money. <laughs> we'll see if I would have time to play it myself. I was like, oh, I'll pick this up since it's on sale. Um, I played for a couple hours. Uh, I think I just I started playing another game. Then I went back to it and it's like, eh, I'm I'm good. Oh, uh, okay. It's, it's, you fell into that trap. Yeah. <laughs> oh goodness. But yeah, it's it's one of those things. That I I can't say like the last indie game that I saw. I was like, ooh, now this is interesting, and I want to keep an eye on this. Was um, Wargroove just because it once again is filling a niche. Like we've seen plenty of strategy games from indie games. But none of the, none that have emulated the feel of Advance Wars, and that made it unique and interesting. And I think that's how it caught a lot of people's attention. So to see um, indies sort of like look at maybe what there's a gap in or what people want and fill in that gap in it with a great game, I think that's how they get a lot of attention. Yeah, yeah. Wargroove caught too much attention. Thank you. It had the lines were too long to, for me to play it at a recent <laughs> expos. <laughs> <laughs> One more quick example of that, actually, is uh, Golf Story as well. That was filling the niche of um, like a Mario Golf kind of game. Because even the Mario Golf games don't play like Mario Golf used to. (laughs) (laughs) So it was cool to see an indie game uh, fill that that void. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's It's cool to see them take a look at what what something is and like, okay, we can fill that in. Or so maybe we'll finally see like a Klonoa stand in for indies or a Toomba or something like that. Uh, retro polygony party game. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, perfect. Um, Schmitty Kong Racing. <laughs> I'd buy it. Because <laughs> it have bosses, I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, real quick before you get to you, Tom, I, I feel a little bad because I was talking all about Kingdom Hearts, and I feel like this has happened all week to you, John, um, with Resident Evil 2. So did you want to give a... <laughs> Like, how was your time with Resident Evil 2? Because you've been playing it, you played it a ton too, you were on a, t- on a tight deadline for that, and I really enjoyed your review. Like, I, I'm probably going to pick that up after I'm done with Kingdom Hearts. Nice. Um, yeah, it, it, was, it was a great experience. Um, Resident Evil 2 has always been one of my favorites of the classic series, and uh, with this remake, it feels like they've done everything they can to respect the legacy of the original, while enhancing it to modern standards. And it kind of has everything that's ever worked in Resident Evil all just kind of merged into one game. Um, But at the same time, it's not trying to be the original. It's it's very much its own thing, and it's so much its own thing to the point where I would consider it a a different game to the original. Like It still takes place in the police station. It still has all the same characters, and the stories, it, it has the same beats. But everything in between is totally different. Like, in, in, all, in all due respect to this game, it is basically Resident Evil 8. Um, so so I, I've seen a few people kind of dismiss it as just a remake, but I think it's so much more than that. 
Um, if you if you've ever played the original Resident Evil remake, it's along those lines, where it's the same. It still takes place in the mansion, but it's it's by no means the same game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've just had a great time with it. So I've been um, it's very replayable. I've been replaying it um, a couple of times to unlock everything. So you um, you have Leon's campaign and Claire's campaign, and depending on which order you play them in, uh, the next playthrough plays out a bit differently. So there's different way. There's incentive to just keep playing again and again. And once you've played both of them, you get uh, you get two other modes. One of them is the fourth survivor, where you play as Hunk, and the other one is Tofu Survivor, where you play as a, t- a piece of tofu. Um, so it's that those are in the original game too, but it's 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 even better to see those kind of things in like a realistic style. Like when, when you're running through these horrifically lit corridors as a piece of tofu, like it's just it's even more hilarious than it's ever been. Um, and I think they're adding even more content too. There's uh, I can't remember what they're calling it, but next week there's um, going to be a new mode, which wasn't in the original game. Um, I'm not entirely sure why they're doing it a week from now, but it's it's cool that it's going to be there regardless. Um, but yeah, I've just had a brilliant time with this. Like Resident Evil 4 is my overall favourite, but Resident Evil 2 isn't all that far behind. Mm. Um, it's 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 scary though. Like Resident Evil 4 has moments of terror, but I've never call it like a uh, an outright scary game. Um, but Resident Evil 2, like, man, some, sometimes I just had to put the controller down and just, like, chill out for a bit. So it, it could get intense. Um, That's awesome. But in a good way. Like, it, it pays off with, with good action sequences, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just a brilliant game. And uh, it's not a long one, either. But you, you can play through one of, one of the characters' campaigns in about six hours. So if you just want a quick run-through, then it's great for that. And if you want more, then it incentivizes you to keep going. So, um... Yeah, Resident Evil 2 is just a, a brilliant game, mm. and I understand a lot of us want to play Kingdom Hearts right now. <laughs> and um, But just, just remember, when you're done with Kingdom Hearts, Resident Evil 2 is waiting for you. Yep. I, I know ever since I played, whenever I played Resident Evil 4 and they, you know, they had the Resident Evil, original Resident Evil uh, remake come out, that's when I had gotten into the Resident Evil series. Uh, as soon as I finished 4, I'm like, I hear everybody talk about how great 2 is. I want to remade like four, and the fact that it finally happened after all these years—it's a big reason I want to check it out. <laughs> like mm-hmm. my wish came true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I remember I, I did the Resident Evil remake first since I didn't really have the original PlayStation, and that was an extremely tough game. Fortunately, one of my friends had played Resident Evil, so he kind of we would pass the controller off between us, but. Resident Evil 4 is the one that really got me into it, and to see you know another one kind of like that, while well, I'm I'm interested, so mm. I'll be checking out Resident Evil 2 later. Yep. Yeah, it's been a while, really. Like five um, played like four, yeah. But stylistically, it was nothing like four, really. <laughs> no. And then six, I don't know what six was. Six was just a, it was everything. It was everything they wanted to put into it, and none of it really worked. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, you know, seven was a nice return to horror, but I, two just kind of finds the the best middle ground for what the series I think should be in the future, which is just it's 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 still aiming to be scary, but it's at the same time it's putting fun at the at the at the front of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I I can't really recommend it more. Like I, I wouldn't give it a mind blowing, but um, it, it's it's a high love though. Like it's it's just a brilliant horror game. How about mind chewing? 
<laughs> I'll give it a mind chewing. Yeah. There you go. Perfect. Make the graphic, Tom. <laughs> yeah. That'd be a fun one, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just have him pulling out his brain chewing on it. <laughs> oh, man. Yes. It's going to happen. All right, Tom. We can make that for the Resident Evil 4 port, at least. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Tom. What's your uh, Patreon topic? My Patreon topic is from Oliver Webb, who has supported us for a long time. He says, Hi guys, love the channel, been a fan for seven years now. I'd love to hear you discuss games you played the first level or two of a whole load as a kid. Of a, I guess a whole load, like a lot, as mm-hmm. a kid because he got stuck, but kept going anyway because, because he loved the game. For me, this would be Body Harvest, which I'm playing as we speak. I have 40 hours on my old save file, and I'm still on the first stage. Thanks. Oh my God. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's determination right there. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. I've never played Body Harvest, so I have no idea how hard that game is. <laughs> I forget. Was that the one made by the Grand Theft Auto guys before Grand Theft Auto or around the time, like DMA Designs? Or is that a different one? What? I want to say yes, but we're probably all wrong. Yeah, I, I, it <laughs> yeah. sounds familiar, but I also think it could be a different game, but I can't remember what that game would be, so not a clue. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, um, for me, a game that I got stuck on, I guess some of them I got stuck on, we got further in. Uh, Punch-Out, I got stuck at Bald Bowl for four years <laughs> <laughs> with no internet, and I'd say the Contra series... It took me a long time to be able to beat that game without the cheat code, but I kept at it, and I, was, I guess just kind of got better. But I could enjoy it even though I was dying a lot. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I've never beaten Contra without a cheat code. Like, I I can do it with in multiplayer yeah. with the cheat code on my own. Um, no, no way. <laughs> okay, well I, I lied. I beat Super C without the cheat code. I got to the last boss in Contra without the cheat code. Ah, okay. Well, that's that's, that's still impressive. Yeah, Tom. seriously. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess for me it would have to be uh, probably Battletoads. Because the because oh. I, I had that on the Genesis, I love the first level. That was fun. Beat 'em up action. There was a clever boss where you're tossing stuff at the screen. Like that was really clever. Then you got to the second level, which was really hard, especially in co-op. Um, but you know, you got you get good at it, and you get through it. And you can make your way through. And then you get to the third level, and between the jumps that you can't quite make out, like the perspective on it, and end up falling off completely. And then, of course, the infamous hoverboard section never got past World 3, but damn if I didn't keep trying because I did enjoy the first two levels. I'm like, maybe it'll get better after this, but nope, I just, I quit. <laughs> I couldn't so do it so wait a second. On the Genesis, is the third level a turbo tunnel? Yes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. My friend... Uh, he got past the turbo tunnel once, and he's like, "I did it! I beat the game!" And he just dropped the controller and left the room. Oh, no, yeah, poor naive fool. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I, I think I, I watched an old show of somebody did that actually did go through and beat Battletoads without any cheats, nice. and it's oh. it looks like the game just gets harder and worse from that point on. <laughs> I, there's, I think, segments where you're going down a tunnel shaft, like with a rope, like rappelling down mm. and kicking guys off wall. That's fun. But as a kid, I remember getting to the rat boss, and like I guess the turbo tunnel wasn't inf- infamous to me, so I didn't know. But 
I'm pretty sure the rat boss has passed it, but yeah, later in life, go revisiting the turbo tunnel. That's it's brutal, and that's on the NES one for me. Yeah, yeah. I um I played through Battletoads again when it came out on Rare Replay for the Xbox One, and um, that game has a rewind feature where you can just rewind your gameplay a little bit. And even then, the game is brutal. <laughs> even when you can just undo your mistakes, the game is still brutally hard. Um, I did finish it though, if if it counts. I mean, I was I was cheating a lot, but I did finish it. <laughs> yeah, wow. <Yay. laughs> um, was it was it? Did it feel good <laughs> beating you? Um, I don't feel like I earned it. Yeah, <laughs> but it did feel good just to see all of the game. Um, but yeah, I I definitely did not earn that victory. <laughs> <laughs> a more successful story for me is uh, Lion King. I actually beat Le- uh, Lion King legitimately on the Genesis. Um, had to you know played endlessly trying to get to through. Uh, can't wait to be king. And then we had the next part that was brutally difficult, which was the uh, the, her- the the stampede. That took forever to get through, and then he finally got to be adult Simba and had to learn all of his new attacks. And eventually, eventually, I was played it long enough and stuck with it long enough that I actually got to the final boss with Scar and proceeded to take about 40 minutes to actually beat him because Scar is not hard. I can I can beat the utter crap out of him and not get get damaged whatsoever. The problem is the only way you can actually defeat him is by throwing him off the cliff like in the movie. <laughs> and I had no I knew I'd done the move by accident plenty of times throughout the game, but I could not figure out how to do it on my own. So it's just me endlessly jumping on him and trying to do the flip and trying to get him <laughs> off. And sometimes I toss him, but he was in the middle of the level and he didn't actually fall off and I'd be like just so frustrated. That <laughs> boss took me forever to beat and I yeah. But I have beaten Lion King without cheats. <laughs> well done. Nice. I'll clap for that one, too. <laughs> yeah, me too. It sounds like uh, Mario 64 with Bowser, and when you miss the spikes and he just jumps back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. But, uh, yeah. Rough. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and get to our uh, game for the week, which uh, comes to us courtesy of David Mott. So his game idea is, your topic about uh, replaying games last week inspired this little idea. Guess the speedrun record. Below are 10 games plus a bonus question in the event of a tie. And their speedrun records according to speedrun.com. So apologies apologies if there's any inconsistencies. These are just regular speedruns, so no glitchless runs, no 100% runs, and no specific runs. These are also based on the original releases, so enhanced ports are off the table. Whoever's the closest to the time gets the gets a point. So yeah, no glitchless, no one hundred percent, just playing through normally as quick as you can. Hmm. Okay, I don't know what to expect with no glitches because it feels like um, most games will probably if they have glitches, then they're usually like under an hour long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so no clue. I actually Let, let's just respect what happens. glitchless runs. Or yeah. Oh wait. Uh, so no glitches. Oh, so no glitchless runs. Oh, okay. Oh, wait. So no glitchless runs. So these are glitch runs. Oh, oh they are glitch runs. Yeah, I, I, oh, okay, I, sorry. Okay. It says no glitchless runs. So these do involve uh, glitches. So these are these could be low. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It, see, right. that's... Just to go off topic for a quick second. I respect normal speed runs without glitches way more than glitch runs. I mean, yeah, the glitches can be impressive. But seeing somebody play through normally and get through it quickly, that's... Almost more impressive than me. 
Yeah, it, it can be impressive when they pull off some very specific glitches without even, like, re-attempting. Like, sometimes you have to clip through a certain wall um, at a certain angle, and the, the way they can just match that up perfectly, that's, that's pretty commendable. Mm. But, yeah, I think I'm with you. I, I prefer it when it's just um, going through raw. Mm -hmm. You just don't get to see yeah. that often. Mm. Alright, so you guys ready? Ready. So these so, are glitch yeah. runs, just as a reminder. Okay. First up, The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. Oh. I, I, I wonder how glitchy this game can be. Because <laughs> for that, you need to go through four temples. Uh, you need to go through... The, the beginning's quite long in and of itself. Um, I'd say two hours and 20 minutes. Okay. Tom? Okay, I, uh, I don't know about this game masking its flaws and the glitches, <laughs> but I'll say, I want to say 3.05. One hour, 15 minutes. What? <laughs> <laughs> Can you glitch into the, the, the clock tower at the start? Or you must like, be able to. Yeah. That's the only thing yeah. I can come up with. <laughs> That's Jeez. pretty crazy. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so point point for John. Uh, hopefully, one of you guys are yes, keeping so. track of this because I'm I'm not. <laughs> I'll write it down. Yeah. I'll, all right. Yeah. Okay. okay. Thanks, Tom. All right. Next up, Ape Escape Two. I don't know how long Ape Escape Two is without glitches. <laughs> um, uh, one hour forty. Okay. What about you, Tom? Yeah, gonna, uh, let's go bananas on this. I'm gonna go fifty-five minutes. Oh. Mm. Also, wow, Tom. 50 minutes, 51 seconds. Oh, Jeez, nice. nice. That's Tom. pretty good. It, I guess the key is not to know anything about the potential game length. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Just say a random number. <laughs> pretty much. This will be interesting. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Hmm. Oh, I don't know. Do you want uh, me to go first, John? Sure. Okay, I'm going to say 1630, because he's the fastest thing alive. <laughs> Can you get through Sonic 2 in 16 minutes? Uh, These people are amazing, know. John. Don't doubt them. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't doubt them. Uh, I'll go a little bit higher. Um, 23 minutes and 40 seconds. Okay. 14 minutes, 58 seconds. How do they get through it in 14 minutes? <laughs> Glitches. Oh, no. How is that possible? I Glitches. have no idea. Not a clue. Oh. <laughs> it's the uh, music menu warp sheet a glitch. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Next up, Smash Brothers Brawl, the subspace emissary. Oh, I thought this, this can't be, be fun to run. Oh, God. <laughs> That's going to be a boring speedrun to do. Um, I'll say... Two hours and five minutes and two seconds. <laughs> what about you, Tom? Okay, I'll say one hour, 35 minutes and 59 seconds. Ah. <laughs> Point goes to John. Two hours, one oh. minute. Oh, nice. Yep. Okay. You were pretty, clo you were pretty now, close that there, That maze segment's got to be boring to speedrun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. All right. <clears throat> This this one will be interesting, John. Persona Five. That's like a ninety-hour game. Right? <laughs> Do people speed run that? Apparently. <laughs> uh, I, I I can't even think how how short that could be. 
If you're skipping through the cutscenes, I guess a lot of this game is dialogue. So if you're skipping through that, and you're just doing dungeons and and grinding, maybe like 26 hours? Okay. What about okay. you, Tom? Okay. I, I know nothing about the potential <laughs> length of this game, so I'm going to guess speedrunners once again have glitched this game to hell. Uh, <laughs> I'm going four hours... 35 minutes and two seconds. All right, I'm going to need help on this one because uh, so four <laughs> hours for t- Tom. Uh, and how much did you say, John? Did I say 26? 26-ish. All right. John is closer. No, wait, it's 16 hours, 15, oh. 15 minutes. Oh, jeez. Yeah. That's still a, that's still really impressive. Yeah, it is. I, I was thinking, is, is it going to be something stupid like two hours? But no, <laughs> but no. With glitches, sixteen hours, fifteen minutes. That's crazy. That's some dedication. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, persona helping then. <laughs> yeah. All right, Tom. This one's more down your alley. Shovel yeah, I'll Knight. Go first. Oh, is this just the core Shovel Knight? Campaign? I think it's just a core uh, Shovel Knight campaign. Core Shovel Knight campaign. All right. Um, I'm waiting for you to go first, Tom. I'm not yeah, sure about this. I'm going first. So, <laughs> core campaign. I think a guy. I'm gonna guess twenty-one minutes and and uh, thirty seconds. All right, John. I'm gonna guess um, a flat one hour exactly. Oh, you guys are making this so hard. <laughs> Forty-two <laughs> minutes, twenty-eight seconds. Oh, John, that's a. Yeah, I uh, think John see. is like. How much well, did you say, well, Tom? Okay, no, you said forty-two minutes and two seconds. Twenty-eight seconds. Twenty-eight seconds. Oh, and we'll you, see. And and John you said, said one hour. I said twenty-one thirty. So if I said, so if you double you twenty-one thirty, that's forty. That's forty-three. Forty-three. But John, yeah. If you add John is closer by a few seconds. Wow! Yeah, yeah by a few 30. seconds. Jeez, talk about close. Oh jeez! Well, talk about equally distant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <No>. pretty much. <laughs> All okay. right. Uh, next up is Bayonetta Two. Go. I think you can do that game quite fast. Yeah. I'm gonna say one hour and twenty minutes. All right. Uh, I'll go a bit uh, longer. I'll say two hours five minutes. Tom gets it. Two hours thirteen minutes. Oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> I had a bit of an idea at that one. Oh, nice! From I have no idea playing. <laughs> yeah, not from being fast at playing games <laughs> or cheating and looking at the answer. I didn't. Do that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I'm holding you guys yeah, to be honest. Got the whole sheet of answers up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just it's like what's that scrolling sound? Are you going through the Patreon right now? No, nothing. All right. Next up is Star Fox Adventures. Ooh. I think that's quite a that's a, that's a bit of a beefy game. That's like fifteen hours, I think. Mm. So my guess would be they can narrow that down to like three, three hours and fifteen minutes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see, because well, we know there's no uh, general scales fight. Uh, sorry, spoilers, but uh, <laughs> maybe if you avoid picking up too many items and going through those long pickup animations. I'm going to go 3.45 with this one, though. All right. What did you say, John? I think it's a three-hour 15. Uh, Tom gets it. It's uh, f- oh. it's four hours, 22 minutes. 
I forgot how long those those pickup sequences were. Like, every single time you pick up an item, it goes. He's so amazed at it though. His eyes and the ladder. I think that game though it had it was one of the first games where you could slide down a ladder. So it's slightly faster in that regard. Ah, okay. And you can kind of shift a block. Um, if you're like pushing and pulling blocks, you can kind of nudge it to the left and right. So mm-hmm. kudos to them on that. <laughs> uh, I will say, I've been keeping track of my fingers. Uh, Tom is caught up. You guys are tied now at 4-4. Four, four. Oh, Ooh. man. Getting intense. Yep. All right. Uh, Metroid Samus Returns. Uh, I... I um. When reviewing this back on my old channel, I actually got through this quite fast, and I think I I think you can do this in like an un, under two hours. I think it can be like one hour, one hour and twenty one minutes is my guess. Okay, I'm gonna say forty five, forty five. John gets it. One hour twenty three minutes. Oh, nice. you are really close there, John. <laughs> Experience coming into play. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, finally, last one. See if Tom can tie it up for the, so we can go to the tiebreaker round. <laughs> Pokemon Yellow. So Pokemon Yellow is less glitchy than Pokemon Red and Blue. <laughs> so <laughs> that might that might go into the time with this. Uh, um, so in, in Pokemon Green, I think you can go straight to the Pokemon League. So that game would be like 10 minutes. <laughs> but Yellow, I, I'm pretty sure doesn't have glitches like that. So... Uh, I think you might have to go through the entire game. Um, so I think people can probably do that in like two hours and 40 minutes. All right. Oh, wow. I was thinking a much higher number, so I'll just... I'll I'll say five hours. Oh, wow. Uh, one hour, 54 minutes. Oh, John wins! <laughs> John got There must be some kind of glitch. Like, I, I don't know how you can get through Pokemon Yellow that fast. Yeah, there's there definitely some sort of glitch. So, yeah. <laughs> Pikachu becomes a detective and... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he figures it out. Real quick, just so we can have this for fun. It, uh, just a first thing off the top of your head. The tiebreaker was Super Mario Brothers. The first I one. Might... Yeah, the very, the very first one. I might know this. Um, I'll, I'll let Tom go first. I, I think I do know the time for this one. I'll say... 2 minutes 45 seconds. I think it's like 4.56 or something. You were close, to, uh, John. 4.55. Oh, wow. Ooh. Yeah, John. <laughs> so, uh, I'm not worthy. Ch- I'm yeah, bowing yeah. down to John. John, speedrun master. My God. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that's my part-time job secretly. Ah, okay. Makes sense. <laughs> In this podcast, I've been speedrunning games. In the background. You might have um, heard oh, a couple makes complete of sense. button presses. <laughs> something I'd like to point out from earlier, though, that in John's question, he answered a question directed at John with an H. So I'm wondering, Derek, who we've been talking to the entire time here. <laughs> that is oh, true. No. Uh, John has said that John spelled with an H are the evil Johns. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a secret John Law which we're gonna gradually uncover, just one by one. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll reveal to you now the John talking on here is not the usual John. This is a very different John. This is speedrun John. This is speedrun John. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that about covers it for episode 130 of the Game Explained Real Talk podcast. Thank you guys so much for the uh, questions, for the quiz, and. Uh, yeah, if you guys want to support us on Patreon, it's just $1 a month. Get these podcasts uh, three days early every Friday. Uh, offer up games, offer up questions, 
let's have some fun. And uh, we'll catch you next week for episode 131. Till then, guys. Bye.